father-in-law was here. Oh, yeah. oh nice. Uh, she's not a bot um, right now. That's well, okay. the pets are here. I Yay. should go get lunch then. Pet cam. Um, so, yeah. Well, welcome, everybody, uh, to Game Busters. That's right. We're in the podcast already. Look around you. Um, we are a podcast. Look around you. Okay. Have you figured out what we're looking at yet? That's right. It's Paper Mario. Yeah, that's what the inside of this podcast looks like. So um, we're a podcast from GameLister.com. If you're new here each week, what we do is a deep dive into a game or a franchise that we really love, or maybe we just want to talk about, or maybe we're riding the sweet SEO wave. Um, but today, uh, I am Nerev, who is just a regular, indistinguishable toad, um, and I'm your host. And I'm joined by my uh, big blooper co-host, Alyssa. Big blooper. Ooh. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah. Sick big uh, blooper, I guess. So Alyssa's been sick with the COVID for a bit, but she's returned triumphantly. Still sick, but has returned regardless. It's been two weeks since it started, and I'm still like kind of feeling icky, but um, that sucks. I'm okay. I'll make it through. Yeah, we're going to do this. <laughs> um, and then I'm joined by two other nondescript unmarked toads. Uh, Tim? What are you talking about? I'm Bowser. Okay. And uh, Matt Sharp, who is joining us from uh, Mobiji Studios. Hello. This is just my normal voice. I'm, I'm not as cool as Tim, obviously. So <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm like, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, what we're gonna do? Uh, we've had we've done a few of these uh, developer episodes, and I want to definitely do more. But basically, the first part of it will be us kind of doing a regular episode, and we're gonna focus in on a game uh, series, Paper Mario, that uh, you know was a direct inspiration for for Matt's game. And then the second part of the show, we'll do a little bit of a loose, semi-structured interview about his game, um, which I did play the demo of this morning. So, ah, excuse me. Oh, Ooh. nice. I'm allergic nice to my game. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just allergic game to made games. A <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, also, as requested, I do have a drink here. I'm going to be quiet for a second. Oh, my God. Ah, I love that sound. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay well now that's not as pleasant to sound good sounds. <laughs> oh my god our asmr like our asmr podcast is coming along it could use some work to be frank um <laughs> uh, I, I, the the sneeze market is a very different market yeah it's not as big of a market but they are a lot more devoted um all right so uh First, I'd like to start off with uh, what we're playing this week. So, uh, Matt, you're our, our guest of honor. What are you? Uh, what have you been playing recently? I have been playing Xenoblade Chronicles Three. I'm a oh, typical weeb. Nothing too surprising there. Um, that's kind of the big game that came out. Was it two weeks ago? Yeah, two uh, three weeks ago now. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and I'm, um, I'm loving it. Our episode last week was actually on Xenoblade Chronicles. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, check that out. Um, and Xeno Gears and Xeno Saga and. Yeah, the Giant forgotten man. stepchildren. Mm-hmm. Technically, um, the forgotten actual children that are just yeah. very, you know, stuck up in the attic. This is our way more <laughs> successful, beautiful stepchild. Yes. <laughs> you know, like Chronicles. Um, yeah, we tried, no, we tried it a couple times there in the attic. This time it worked out. Yeah, I I'm looking forward to Xenoblade Chronicles three. I need to make myself finish the first one first. <laughs> I've I, I'm like pretty X. far into it. Yeah, I've already played X. Okay. Um, oh right, yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, I need to I need to finish the first one before I spend $60 on this. Um but yeah, you you're enjoying it, I'm assuming. Yeah, I love it. Um I have yeah. a few like minor issues with it, but it's kind of just like 
it's kind of issues I have with like the entire series in terms of like gameplay, but it's nothing like game breaking. Like it's still like sure. a nine out of ten, ten out of ten game yeah. for me. The yeah, problem that's... is that Riki is not the most powerful character. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, Riki really. uh, is not on screen long enough, and when he is not on screen, the other characters are not asking where is Riki. Does this one even have a hero pawn? Um, sort of. But, <laughs> um, yeah, and that's cool. We actually, um, and if you go to our website, GameMuster.com, we actually just posted our review from Shaz uh, of Xenoblade Chronicles 3, and it is our second ever 10 out of 10 game. Yeah. Since hey, we started getting go. the numbers. So we only started doing the numbers on the reviews this year, so that's like maybe less <laughs> criticism. <laughs> but anyway, regardless, it is that is true of it. So, um yeah, so let's uh, let's move on. So, Tim, uh, what have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing uh, Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes, mm-hmm. the Three Houses Musou spinoff slash reimagining, and more of Symphony of the Night Randomizer. Nice. Um, and Fire Emblem Three Hopes, also from Intelligent Systems, our friends yep. here from the Paper Mario family. Indeed. Um, now, now we just need a Paper Mario Musso, and we can get Koei Tecmo. Yeah, how have they not done that yet? <laughs> <laughs> I don't usually go for Musso games, but that is one I would play absolutely. Oh, I got a name: Paper Mario: The Thousand Cuts. That'd be good. <laughs> wow. No, that the, that's his uh, ultimate technique. <laughs> thousand paper, just paper cuts. The thousand um, cuts. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, uh, Alyssa, what you been doing? Anything new? You've been trapped at home. I actually okay. Well, I mean, surely no, you've tried a new video game. I mean, not new, but I mean, I've been playing Sea of Thieves a bit more recently. I played that okay. a lot, like a couple, like maybe like last year, but I got back into it while I was sick. Cool. What's, um, what's new? So, Is there a new pirate? I don't know a lot about this not, game. I mean, like not. I don't. I honestly haven't played it too too much. Just enough that like we went through a couple different. Uh, like, I played with my friend Cooper in CC, and we had, like, a really good time just, uh, you know, sailing the seven seas and <laughs> fighting monsters, I guess. Is we fought a... some, like, fire guy. It was interesting. Um, is <laughs> the, the Pirates of the Caribbean stuff is, like, part of the main story, right? Uh, I think that I think, I think like... Disney is trying to, like, create another game that's like it. So oh, I feel like Pirates of the Caribbean is, like, kind of going to become its own game versus Sea of Thieves. Interesting. At least that's they what d- Cooper told me. Now they do have, of course, the the infamous Pirates of the Caribbean Online, which we have discussed on oh, this podcast. Oh wait, you right? <laughs> well, I mean that that game has been offline what? for like ten years. So okay, well then maybe I don't maybe know. Maybe they're bringing it back. I was, I mean, I would hope so because Sea of Thieves is cool, but I'd like to see something that's more like I don't know, realistic, I guess. Ge- genuinely, like, I mean, I think Pirates of the Caribbean still has enough like brand power that if they made like a AAA like multiplayer video game like it could compete with like sea of thieves honestly mm-hmm. um but it's a process also apex legends is a new season out <laughs> yes um, so i've been grinding that so uh let me see i have been god what have i been doing i've been playing a l- okay so our, our discord server decided to make a minecraft server so i've been trapped in there for a few days um, oh no you know every you know every like year you have to just get into minecraft again for like a 30 hour burst in like a week um he only just finished uh, assembling the portal so he could actually get out he was literally yeah. trapped in minecraft i was actually it was a sword yeah. out online situation um, oh, um and then uh i've been playing cult of the lambs uh since that's that a got hack situation i've been watching so many people play that Cult of the Lamb is fucking fantastic. It, is it looks so good. awesome. It's so polished. It's like, it's so cute. And it, I don't know, just the whole thing comes together is so beautifully. Um, 
I am I've been naming all my cult members after my real life friends and having them pick which animal they'd like to be and stuff like that. Have you named me after one. I haven't put you in yet, but you have to tell me. You have to tell Do me they know they're going to be sacrificed going into this, or is that like? <laughs> it's implied. Uh, it's yeah. implied, but not stated. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, but they yeah, might no, it's, themselves and their incompetence as well. Yeah, the, uh, I, the villagers or the the cultists in Cult of the Lamb are kind of uh, dumb. Yeah, <laughs> um, I actually have my first dissenter right now, which is my best friend Grace. Actually, she's kind of trying to turn people against me. It's been Damn. very very sad. Um, <laughs> I had to uh, put her through a re-education camp, so we'll see if that. And works. how is it uh, that in the game? Um, they kind of just go away for a little while to a different place. And uh, they come back and they love you now. Yeah. And yeah. so it's just like when you did it in real life. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but highly recommend if you're into that. Also, it's primarily a management game that's like supported by the roguelike action stuff, which I love. Like, I did not really expect that, but I think that's really cool. Um, so it's sort of an atelier uh, cultist game oh, where the adventuring supports the running a shop. Yeah, it's like like kind of like Moonlighter, but like more fun. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That was mean, but true that was also. Mean. Um, okay, so uh, yeah, let's let's get into the shit. So um, the way that we start our episodes is that we are going to travel back in time. So everyone, it's 1996. We're going to, as always, look up which movies came out this year. Because what we're going to do is we're going to the pitch meeting for when this game was conceived. And we're going to reenact it. Um, okay. So let me see here. I just googled. I just googled 1996, and I don't know what I expected to happen. <laughs> um, A year before my birth, so I would know nothing about this. Yeah. Um, now I I was already born. Uh, still small. Uh, Mission Impossible One. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. The movie. Um, let me see what else. Uh, Twister. Mars Attacks. Yep. Happy Gilmore. Okay. Yep. All of these I saw in theaters. Uh, jur- oh, Land Before Time 4, Journey Through the Mist. <gasps> Was okay. it only Land Before Time 4 at that point? That seems wrong. Well, they used to only do them once every two years, and then they started pumping out two a year, basically. Yeah. I loved those movies. I was such a dinosaur kid because uh, of Land Before Time. Oh, yeah, same, same. My room was actually Land Before Time themed when I was a kid. Oh, that's um, so cute. Yeah, he I says that like it's not still Land Before Time themed. Right. <laughs> um, we have unfortunately moved out of that house or my mom has since then so no no more dinosaurs in there um okay anyway everyone i'm trying to find the movie that will help you understand like just this the mind space everybody's in right now um let's see here um uh the nutty professor perfect <laughs> where eddie murphy gets inflated <laughs> so if anyone's into that make sure to check out that movie Anyway. They've also got Mars Attack, Twister. Yeah, Twister's another uh, one. That ack, was a big ack, one. Ack, ack. <laughs> All right, so everyone, it's 1996. So this is a little bit of a weird pitch meeting because typically what happens is we are the developers when we're going to pitch it to the publisher, like, please fund our game. But that's not how this game came about. This game actually came about because Nintendo came to pitch it to Square Enix and then Square Enix said no to their pitch. <laughs> And so they had to take the pitch over to Intelligent Systems. So you guys have just met with Square Enix and, and have been resoundly rejected. Um, you are trudging into my office here at Intelligent Systems, and you guys are the Nintendo executives. Uh, and so you're hi, try- we own you. <laughs> uh, 
And we wanted to make another uh, uh, Super Mario RPG with Square Enix, but they were being stupid. So you're going to make it for us. Okay. Now, we're actually working on our own Fire Emblem thing right now. No, no, no. Okay. No, you're not. Not anymore. Interesting. (laughs) Um, We'll put it on Satellaview. Okay. Um, So are you going to tell me what the game's about? It's a Super Mario RPG. Okay, but so you're just doing another 3D, one. But it's 3D. So Super Mario, he's 2D. He's paper. But the world is big. It's 3D. And Bowser is invincible, and you've got to beat him anyways. Okay. Uh, you're you're just doing this for us. We'll tell you more later. Get to work. Right. Okay, so it seems like this was sort of an uncomfortable, uh, aggressive pitch meeting. I mean... Um, Insys is a wholly owned subsidiary of Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So you were basically coming in here and and just sort of yelling at me um, yes. to tell me. That also, this, this was like... basically when Insys wasn't doing much of anything else except for their B team working on um, Thrasia Seven Seven Six. Yeah. This this was um this is a big a big time for them. So intelligent systems obviously like I guess, I guess this was been I guess this was a short pitch meeting and that's fair because it is just your boss telling you to work on a project effectively. Um <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Also so, it is a very straightforward pitch. We're doing Super Mario RPG again. Yeah, but this Two. time he's paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um that is what happened essentially is that um Super Mario RPG uh, for the uh, Super Nintendo um, was a you know critical hit, and a lot of people really wanted another one. Um, and uh, well, they were like, mm. Square Enix was like, I don't actually know. I think I want to do another Final Fantasy. I think I want to do that instead. So interestingly, this was actually um, Square Enix had just begun um, you know full development on Final Fantasy VII, and. That was why they turned down this project, because they needed all hands on deck for Final Fantasy VII. Um, because they knew nothing about what they were doing. And I love Final Fantasy VII, but they have admitted, we had no goddamn idea what we were doing. Yeah. They, they cited it as a miracle that they got that game finished. Um, oh, also, maybe I didn't say, like, Matt, f- please feel free to interject. That's that's how this goes. So, like, I'll, I'll kind of, like, walk us through the information and please just, like, interrupt me or interject at any point. <laughs> Just like human, like scream or like say something yeah, that you want to do, or, whatever volume okay. you feel comfortable it, it, with. It, right, information that you think is either relevant or funny. Okay, I got you. I got mm-hmm. you. Or if you just want to make fun of Nirav a little bit. Yeah. Well, I only have so much. I only have so much juice left in me to get made fun of. Um, it's usually you know. the word I take, though. <laughs> but the less juice you have, the more concentrated it is, it's and the greater the flavor. Oh man! Don't eat me, please. I'm so tired. <laughs> I wouldn't taste good. Um, we're not, so we're not Paper Mario, you, we're juicing you. Come on. Okay, stop, please, don't juice me. <laughs> um, so Paper Mario is set in the Mushroom Kingdom. Obviously, um, Mario tries to rescue Princess Peach from Bowser. It's a very new concept. Um, <laughs> but um, so this is a a follow up to the Legend of the Seven Stars kind of story that was present in uh, Super Mario RPG. Um, where uh, kind of the seven star spirits are, are taken from the castle. And um, so uh, this is, of course, a pretty classic, you know, Mario's going to rescue Peach. This time he's 2D again, or is he? Um, these games... 2D in a 3D world. Yeah. 
And so obviously, first of all, these are, um, well, some of these games are like turn-based RPGs, essentially. So most of them are. Most of them, yeah. You're, you're gathering a party, you're going across the land, um, you know, learning new abilities, new attacks, upgrading your characters, leveling up. And um, I think the main, to be honest, I think the main distinguishing feature of this series is kind of just like how funny it is. Um, Because this is like primarily like a a comedic sort of series. Like it's, um, I would say probably the funniest thing Nintendo's put out as a first party thing. Um, I don't think they engage with the comedy a lot. Um, I mean, they do... Um, but this is definitely the like where they're like this is a this is a comedy world. This this operates yeah. on comedy cartoon physics and, and logic. Yeah, yeah. And there and everybody is basically aware of it in that world. Right, yeah. I think that I think that's a good way to phrase it. It's like cartoon logic to everything you do and everything that happens in the world. And everybody's like hyper aware that they're like in a video game. It's like very fourth wall breaking a lot of the time. Um I, I, I think find it's it also interesting. interesting because they had uh this is like one of the first time Nintendo really had their time to write a lot of dialogue because before that they never really had that time to do that cuz you know in a Mario game like what dialogue do you have in there you know yeah, so cool. think, yeah that's about it <laughs> which is pretty character. pretty good writing but it's a character building in the Mario universe very cool yeah. <laughs> but yeah I think that's an interesting um, point too is that they hadn't had much time before this except with like maybe Mario RPG yeah, um, so it was cool to see but them. Really most really most of the games, literally, the usually the longest bit of text you got was the. Um, actually, no, it was the letters from Peach. Was the longest text they had in any Mario game before this? Yeah, by well, the way, main Mario because Mario uh, is missing. The, yeah, uh, for like twenty years, Peach was like definitely the smartest person in the Mario universe because I did not see anybody else put together a full English sentence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I baked a cake for you. Was like incredible work. I mean, she's still probably the smartest. That's she's probably just, you true. know, dealing with a giant fire dragon. Do you guys remember when they made Super Princess Peach and, like, her out-of-control emotions became her superpowers? No, her in-control emotions. Because you got to choose which one they were. They were just oh, hypercharged. I really hope it was in control. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, <laughs> Otherwise, you literally, yeah. Pop, you literally had a, I'm going to be angry now and set things on fire. Yeah, it was a. I don't ah, okay, know. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, literally, the, the the gimmick of the game was that somebody had a uh, magic power that turned everybody's emotions hypercharged and out of control, and Peach was just in control enough of her emotions to fight back. I wish, there was I also wish something they... called the Vibe Wand, which was sketchy yes. at best. Oh yeah, the name of the Vibe, vibe? Wand. Is yeah, look, it, look it up. Go look it up right now. It's very no. Sad. That's like literally a sex object. So okay, okay, you think that? Go look Google it up. Then. Google, Google, Mario. It's uh, it's really bad. Yeah, wow. Huh? <laughs> it's also a really it solid game. Like it's a, it's a very um, fun game to play. It is. I I really like that game actually. Uh, interesting. Okay, yeah. Uh, no, I'm I've read I've read, I'm reading the article now. Okay, I gotta stop. Um. <laughs> Um, so anyway, um, as we said, Nintendo had approached Square Enix, uh, had been, had told them they were not able to work on the game. And so they brought it to Intelligent Systems and actually pitched it to them as Super Mario RPG 2. Um, and that was slated for release on the ill-fated 64DD, which is like the magnetic drive, (laughs) super duper Nintendo 64 that you like stuck on top of your existing N64. Um, On the bottom. On the bottom, excuse me. Yeah. Um, 
Because it, it, it literally slotted into an expansion port on the bottom that went completely unused in the West. It yeah. was N64 and Knuckles, essentially. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You would plug Knuckles into your N64. And, he, yep. he would and, no, and you'd plug the entire thing on top of a Sega Genesis with a 32X and then like three or four N Knuckleses to unlock the true power. That's what I like. Um, and I like that Nintendo's willing to make like useless peripherals and spend millions of dollars producing them only to, for them to never release. Well, it released, just not in the West. Oh, that's true, yeah. Uh, did they ever make any games that were like actually dependent on it, though? Uh, I believe there were one or... T- Technically, uh, Master Quest, I think, was originally a DD game. Before but that released, in the, that released for the GameCube in the West, right? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Anyway, um, so, Alyssa, do you understand what I'm saying about this? You had a big magnetized second Nintendo 64 you had to plug into the bottom of your existing N64 and it would play a, a bigger game. That makes somewhat sense. I never had a Nintendo 64, so what? I don't have much. I like, I played, I remember playing at my like daycare when I was like real, real young, but I didn't own one. Nope, so okay. I didn't have that much of a reference point. I think this uh, was, I was, I was wrong. It wasn't one. There were only 10 and three of them were Mario artist games. No, four of them were Mario Kart games. One of which was SimCity 64, and one was the F-Zero X expansion kit, which justifies the entire thing's existence to begin with. Oh. Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah, Goshen the Giant, which is a completely unknown but very interesting game. So, yeah, like I said, Nintendo had told Intelligent Systems, hey, we'd like you to use the 64 DD, like magnetized disc and after they began some work on it they were like hey we can actually just put this on a regular cartridge if that's okay with you um and so that's what they did they moved forward developing it for as a regular n64 game um so uh they revealed it at nintendo space world 97 which was a trade show nintendo used to host um i like that nintendo space world um so they moved to the cartridge format, like I said. Um, they took some inspiration from Parappa the Rapper, interestingly, which I guess I can see in, in yeah. retrospect. I did not know that, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and they had, you know, of course, the cell animation, and they took a lot of inspiration from Disney and Looney Tunes uh, for the, the art style and some of the humor and stuff. Like, um, especially, I think people maybe sometimes um, will forget, especially younger people that, like, the both the Looney Tunes and like um, the Mickey Mouse and Friends things used to be like way more unhinged than they are in the modern times, especially um, during the sixties and seventies. Yeah, when when these people would have been like growing up on these cartoons, like um, you know, Mickey used to be this like angry guy who would like grab a cat and like whack people over the head with it. You know what I mean? So um, Kingdom Hearts. That was early. Yeah. <laughs> This is actually mellowed out by now. It was Goofy's job, Goofy and and, uh, Donald's job to be the whack jobs at that point. Yeah. I can't do it. That was pretty good. God, that was pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So um, Miyamoto wanted this game uh, to be developed for amateur gamers, which is what he said, but like, you know, really he said like, I want this pe- to, this is, he wants like this to be your first RPG. You know what I mean? Um, and he wants it to be, uh, accessible to children, which, you know, a lot, it got a lot of praise for being like a well-developed thought out RPG system while at the same time being accessible to children. Um, they walked that line fairly well. Um, 
I should also say the, I actually have not played these earlier Paper Mario games. The only one I've played is Origami King, actually. Um, so, like, the rest of this is reference. I have watched a full playthrough of Thousand Year Door, and I do want to play that one day. If they will yeah. ever put it on a modern system, I will do that. You're saying that the GameCube isn't a modern system? It is the most modern of systems. It's got a carrying I was, case. I actually it have did. my <laughs> I have I have my GameCube like packed up like right over there. But if I want to buy a copy of this game, it's going to be 130 US dollars. So you're right. It is actually cheaper <laughs> to mod your GameCube to play a ROM of it, yeah, than to buy this game legit. If I happen to come across it, if I happen to come across a disc that falls off the back of a truck, I will play it for sure. Um, but um, no, I, I, I personally I know that feeling because I play Fire Emblem games, and uh, both of the the Radiant games go for stupid mm-hmm. amounts. Um, let's see the uh, the music was written by Yuka Sujiyoko, um, who has either composed or supervised every Fire Emblem and Paper Mario composition since 1990. So. Awesome. Also a female composer again, which is great. Like we don't, I feel like we don't see a lot of those from back in the nineties. Um, but that's They're awesome. actually more common than you'd think, but they don't get noticed um, as much as some of the big names. Cause yeah, uh, I guess that's true. one of the, the, the biggest um, Mega Man composers mm-hmm. is a woman. Nice. I know Yoko yeah. Shimomura was pretty active back then. Like she did. Oh yeah. yeah. Track for um, uh, Mario RPG, didn't she? Uh, I believe she worked on it. I think that's right. Um, yeah, Shimomura has done like fucking everything. So, yeah. <laughs> like worked on everything. But um, yeah, I think that's you know I'm I'm honestly what I've noticed is like I feel like it's honestly more like I I don't know if it was a thing like in in Japan that like they were just more open to having female composers come work on big AAA games. But like I feel like I just haven't seen that in Western games from like the nineties. Um, it was a very much a boys club um still i mean still kind of is but we're getting in there um so uh this game was a huge success pulled a 93 on metacritic universal critical acclaim sold 1.3 million copies so pretty good for a for a jrpg on the n64 was actually one of the best selling games on the n64 um which they didn't make any more well barely any more rpgs for the 64 um sure there was here, here, I'm gonna list them now. Um, hmm. Mm-hmm. Quest 64, Ogre Battle. That's it. Yeah, I was thinking that of more of a tactics, but I'll, I'll, I'll give that one to you. But yeah, Ogre uh, yeah. 64, Ogre Battle. Um, is that the same as Tactics Ogre? I don't know. Yes. Is it? What did I say? Yeah. Just Ogre forget it. Ignore that. Edit that out. <laughs> I don't know. It's owned by several different names. So. Yeah. Okay, so that is the thing they're re- they're remastering though right now. Tactics Ogre. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think yeah, Ogre I, Battle is a specific game in the series. Was there not a Fire Emblem game for the N sixty four? There was not. Wow. They went from um, Therosia to the GBA. Huh. Well, okay, I think weird. a lot of this comes from the fact that Nintendo kind of screwed themselves over with the uh, cartridges. Because, like, they had, I don't know if you've seen, yeah, I don't know if you've seen the video of the, like, there was, like, a tech demo for Final Fantasy VI for N64. Or it was, no, it was a tech demo for, like, a potential what Final Fantasy could be, but they were using Final Fantasy VI characters. Yeah, they used Final Fantasy VI characters. It was basically, it was a tech demo, sort of like the PS3 tech demo that used FF7 characters, but wasn't a demo for any FF7 project at the time. 
yeah. like the Super Mario 128 demo for the N64, where they had 128 little Marios running around in a big bowl. That was technically for a game, but not the game that it eventually became. Because that, that is for... a precursor to Mega Man. Well, they also yeah, had um, the Mother 3 tech demo or whatever that was, yes. prototype, whatever. I don't know what that was. I actually Am I remembering right that Final Fantasy moved off of Nintendo to PlayStation because of the cartridge thing? Like they couldn't fit the because audio of the size on the cartridge. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the 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 audio in the FMVs, it was so mm-hmm. much easier to just fit them on the seven hundred meg um, uh, disc. Which, by the way, the uh, the the sixty four DD discs, sixty four megs. Mm. So that could have that could have saved us. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I don't know, but so uh, yeah. Uh, does anyone want to say anything about Paper Mario sixty four? Like, I've I've played like an hour of it on the N sixty four online thing on the Switch. Um, yeah, but, Ogre Battle, by the way, is the name of the full series. Tactics Ogre is one of the specific games. Okay. Okay. Um, for Paper Mario sixty four, I adore this game. Um, it's one of my favorite games ever. I okay. got it when I was a kid, um, and I've played through it many many times since then. Uh, it's been a while since I played through, probably years, but um, I love this game personally. It's just got so much charm, and uh, like I, I gotta admit up front right now, I'm a little bit fake because I have not finished Thousand Year Door. I know it's amazing. I played, I played a lot of it, but I have not finished yeah. it and played much all the way through. Um, so my my history of Paper Mario is a little spotty. Like I played Sticker Star, didn't really get very far. Uh, Sticker played, Star wasn't well received in general. Yeah, um, I, I played some of Super Paper Mario. Really enjoyed that. Uh, after that, I pretty much fell off and haven't played much. It's not that I'm not interested. It's just like I have so many other games I want to play or I'm busy yeah. working or something. I, but... I play uh, Origami King, maybe Sticker Star, and the uh, the, the crossover game with the, uh, oh, the, the Mario pa- Paper Jam. Paper Jam. Mario and Luigi, yeah. yeah. Um, I liked, I've, I've not finished Origami King. I've, put, I've played like probably half of it so far, and it was just a thing I got distracted by other games because it is really good. Um, I think they, they, did a, they did a good job like capturing the humor again um in that game it's it's really really funny like there are some legit laugh out loud moments and i love the the musical parts are so so funny there's like uh every time like kind of you kind of finish one chapter like every everything just like freezes and like the characters on screen perform like a whole musical number like just completely. i didn't even know that yeah, i love that that might that might actually get me to play <laughs> yeah i mean it is something i want to play eventually but now i'm like yeah I'm, it's it's I'm a good yeah yeah it's it's a it's a really really funny game um i think the combat could be better but you know um anyway um yeah so the thousand year door of course followed this up which is the much lauded um you know sequel this is the, i i think probably wouldn't family in its own weird way yeah i i would say like over time, this game has definitely become one of like the most beloved Nintendo games by fans, like of all time. Um, people talk to no end about how how good this game is, and like I said, I've watched I've watched the Game Grumps play the entire thing. So I mean, I guess I've seen the story and stuff, and it's it's funny. Like there's like legit laugh out loud stuff like every five minutes, and yep. it's a really really well devised RPG system. The the characters are so good, like the companions. Like you know, I love Goombella. More Goombella, please. Where, when is she getting her own spinoff? Um, <laughs> as soon as you make it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Nintendo won't. Um, one, one, the only like really funny thing I noted from the development of the Thousand Year Door was the, um, 
In 2008, Morgan Creek Productions filed a lawsuit against Nintendo alleging that they illegally used the song You're So Cool from the film True Romance in an advertisement for the game. Morgan <laughs> Creek dropped the case six days later after Nintendo revealed that their advertising agency, Leo Burnett, had licensing for the song. <laughs> that sounds like a really bad like lack of communication on like a corporate level like can nobody you, knows what's going can on can you imagine going forward and suing a company without even checking if that company bought the licensing for your song first <laughs> they were just really bored they had a lawyer that like hadn't had anything to sue anyone over in a long time <laughs> it yeah. sort of reminds me of the uh i forget who it was who decided to sue michael jackson for copyright Michael Jackson go, uh, here are my archives for the last 10 years. I will gladly sing any of them for you right now off the top of my head. <laughs> Got him. And also, uh, I think I speak for all of us, Sonic Origins, release the MJ cut. <laughs> um, uh, am I right understanding that that doesn't have the Michael Jackson music in it, right? That's yeah. That's sad. We gotta, we'll find it. Um, so the Thousand Year Door received critical acclaim as well and pulled an 88 uh, rating and it sold around 1.2 million copies. Um, Thousand Year Door is considered by many to be the best Paper Mario game. And uh, later games um, in, that appeared in the series began to change the format a lot uh, pretty pretty drastically uh, to the point that um, Sticker Star and, excuse me, and Color Splash are not really RPGs at all. No. Um, Nor is uh, Super. Yeah, Super Paper Mario kind of turned it into like an action adventure little game and yeah. um, started removing some of the better elements, such as like you know having characters. <laughs> um, I think I, it would have been very difficult in specifically Super Paper uh, to have all the additional characters with the the weird one D two D Mario platforming. Yeah, yeah, or. 2D, 2D, 3D. I was like, what is this 1D platforming we're doing? (laughs) Have you ever heard of Flatland? (laughs) Um, But I did hear something. uh, There was an interview or something with one of the directors or something. They were saying that one of the reasons they started straying away from the RPG formula was because like Mario and Luigi was their Mario RPG series. And they wanted to like differentiate two series, which I don't necessarily agree with, but I understand I don't agree with that decision, but I understand where they're coming from. And when I, I knew, when I heard that, I kind of I had a little more like sympathy for what they were saying, even though yeah. I don't agree with it. If that makes yeah, sense. and I think Nintendo has done that a few times, and uh, uh, very notably with um, Advance Wars, they kind of phased out that series because they felt Fire Emblem was going to be their tactical strategy series and didn't need another one. Which I didn't know, I didn't I mean, know that. Interesting. They're they're very different games. Yeah, um, exactly. in, in the way that they they play. Uh, and I do think that they're trying to bring, or, you know, not that, you know, uh, Ukraine is helping because it was supposed to have a re-release of two of them together this year. And yeah. that still hasn't happened. Fuck you, Putin. It's like, I, I get it because like uh, the, I mean, like also within the context of Advance Wars, like in the game, like you are fighting a parody of Russia with like a parody of Putin, essentially. Not um, really. I mean, I read, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I, it, that's there's a um there is sort of a parody russia but there's no parody putin okay um, uh yeah but anyway i think that's i heard that was the reason that they chose to to delay it because of the war because it like kind of has some like ties to it well it's it's literally a game about uh unprovoked war and people yeah. being engineered especially the second one um you know people get provoked into conflicts with each other for 
the the benefit of a third power. Yeah, I think they might just have to release it because I, I feel like maybe this war, this Ukraine invasion is maybe going to continue for a while. It's quite possible. <laughs> um, considering it's been going for like five or six months now. so it, It's going to keep going probably until either uh, Russia runs out of oil or Putin runs out of breathable air. Nice. Um well, uh, that's exciting, but yeah. Oh, some, but like, um, anyway, yeah. Like we said, like Advance Wars was. Um, wait, who developed that? That was an intelligence. That was also Insys. Oh, okay. Yeah, Insys, uh, Advance Wars, and Fire Emblem were there. Here is our slightly more upbeat, um, you know, expendable units uh, wartime right. strategy. Here is our slightly more serious medieval themed. You know, all of your units have permadeath. Right. Um. And the so, weird thing is, uh, the Advance Wars series sort of uh, fell off well before um, the Fire Emblems decided, you know what, let's do casual mode. Because Days of Ruin just sort of killed the series. Oh, I It was like, them um, trying to do a much more serious uh, game, sort of in the vein of Fire Emblem. And it didn't, well, it sort of worked and it sort of was even more ridiculous. Hmm. Um, let's see here. Okay, so the rest of the series, like we've talked about, Super Paper Mario for the Wii, fairly well received. Uh, Paper Mario Sticker Star for the 3DS, poorly received. Color Splash for the Wii U, very poorly received. Um, and then Origami King, uh, pretty well received um, yes. for the Switch. So um, it brought back a lot of the original elements people liked. Didn't uh, it? Did kind of still have a weird sort of uh, combat situation where it's. Um, I kind of like the concept. I like the base concept of it because the idea is that you are solving puzzles in a timed event to do attacks during combat. And like that, just the, the description of that, I think sounds cool because you don't see it a lot, but in practice, it kind of gets like, it, it just like kind of weighs on your mind. Eventually you're like solving all these timed puzzles. Like, uh, uh, um, yeah. But, yeah. Um, no, but uh, so this is this is something that has gone around a lot, which I think has been cited um, several times about Shigeru Miyamoto. Um, so a lot of people have asked and wondered, like, why this series like took such a such a nosedive, and like what some of the reasons were. So uh, Kensuke Tanabe, who was a uh, the the like uh, lead producer of these games of this series, uh, had an inter- interview with VGC while they were doing promo for origami king like two years ago. And um, so I'm just going to read through this. It's, it's a little bit long, but like, stay with me. Cause it's like kind of insane. Um, so he said, since paper Mario sticker star, it's no longer possible to modify Mario characters or to create original characters that touch on the Mario universe. That means if we aren't using Mario characters for bosses, we need to create original characters with designs that don't involve the Mario universe at all. Like we've done with Ollie, the stationary bosses. Whether a character becomes an all-time hit or not isn't up to us on the development side. I think it's more the case that characters that fans truly accept naturally end up that way. I hope that the Origami siblings in Paper Mario the Origami King will stay in players' memories, even if they do only end up appearing in this title. Aside from wanting us to change the atmosphere a lot, there were two main things Miyamoto-san said from the start of the project. It's fine without a story, so do we really need one? And, as much as possible, complete it with only characters from Super Mario World. But being unable to use new characters is pretty strict. 
Of course, we could not make any new enemy characters, and as for allies among Super Mario characters, there's really only Toad in various colors. So, to condense all that down, um, basically Miyamoto kind of came in and said, this game doesn't need a story. Who needs stories in video games? Not me. I made Mario. And then, (laughs) secondly, that they couldn't really alter and make new Mario Universe characters. So things like so no uh, Goombarellas, no, no Goombella, no Vivian, or any of that yeah. stuff. Like, um, so basically, they they were tasked with like make this this game without any of the RPG stuff, without a story, and without any new characters. <laughs> and you know, you wonder like why this game didn't turn out the way fans liked. <laughs> um, so another thing here from the production of paper mario sticker star onwards um we were no longer able to graphically represent individual characteristics such as age or gender etc in the toad npcs and so it has become that much more important to convey their personalities simply through text our writer mr taro kudo has been grappling with this difficult challenge since paper mario sticker star but has managed to achieve giving all the text a sense of humor in this installment, the Origami King were able to include some toads wearing an outfit to match their role, also created or original origami characters. So, uh, thank God they're allowed to have clothes now that are different. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember reading this a while ago, and it just kind of pissed me off because I was like, I don't, I, I cannot comprehend. I cannot. It's comprehend so weird. Like it's, the, it's, you know, that's part of the best part of the Paper Mario games was the these really cool variations on enemies that we've been fighting for decades in mario games and all of a sudden we have a partner that's like this really unique like cute version of one of these characters like a boo or a goomba or something and it's just like you can't do that and it's like but why though like i don't it's, understand a lot of people including myself have sort of accused miyamoto of sabotaging the series like it <laughs> seems like he's intentionally trying to make it fail which like it sounds like that but like why would he do that <laughs> yeah it's just I mean, even looking at it from like a, even if I try to be sympathetic and I look at it from like the most like corporate point of view with like zero artistic view, I still can't even understand that logic. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? I, I can't either. It's not and, like this. Yeah. Yeah. Normally, like like I was even saying earlier, like even if I don't agree with something, I can see like the money point of view or like the this helps our business point of view, whether I agree or not, but I can't even see that with this season. I don't put it a different way. How weird this is. Ubisoft was allowed to make new, unique Mario themed characters. <laughs> That's true. That was a lot. That was a little bit later. Nintendo isn't. That is. Strange. Um, yeah. Which is strange. Um, and honestly, like I'm I, one, one reason I was actually, pleasantly surprised when they announced origami king because i kind of assumed that the series was not going to continue since mario rabbits came out and they i was assuming they were going to be like all right that's our rpg thing now um, well, that's that's their XCOM thing now yeah which i'm glad those two series can can coexist because yeah. there's obviously plenty of room they're very different um i just can't wait for the you know the the actual XCOM crossover i want yeah. mario fighting aliens, damn it. <laughs> yeah i want i want the aliens um, he, can, he can fight X-Nauts. Yeah. Um, geez. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, that's uh, we are going to talk a little bit about video game fables now. So first, uh, like I said, I did play through the, the demo this morning on Steam. I had a good time. I actually did. I think you got like three or four laughs out of me. So awesome. it's, a good, it's a good time. Like legit laughs. So, um, but yeah, l- uh, go ahead and, and elevator pitch us on your on your game. Yeah, so it's a pretty unique setting. 
Um, it's a lighthearted RPG that's set within a abandoned RPG game world that hasn't had a player in decades, um, which is kind of a cool concept that I wanted to explore, and I don't really think I've seen that explored in another game. And you know, someone can correct me, but I have yet to find a game that really kind of does that. Um, it's it's still, no. what's that? I've never seen a video game do it, but I've definitely seen like uh, like Animal Crossing comics that are like <laughs> you know, what happened. There's a um, the only thing I can think of is this um podcast which I can't even remember the name of it now, but it's a it's a D and D like actual play podcast where like it, it takes place like with the the party that like the, is playing the game is like the cleanup crew after the heroes come through each town and like I think I've heard of that yeah their antics and they like kind of have to like become fixers basically um, yeah so it's, I, I, I love that idea retail of RPGs yeah <laughs> you never think about it and you know it goes, realistic. It, yeah it goes deeper I mean it, you're if you're playing like in these like you know halo stages or whatever who's cleaning up all this mess and pull the bullets out of the walls between matches Somebody's That's it. <laughs> but yeah uh, go on Matt yeah um it's a kind of unique thing that I really wanted to explore it just kind of came in my head one day and I wanted to explore that idea and a lot of the ideas behind it is like, what would a game world look like when it's not being played? Like, will the characters age? Will they have lives of their own? Do they have hobbies? Like, what do they do? You know, what have they been doing in these last two or three decades or whatever where they haven't had a player? Because normally they're so used to like putting on this. They basically put on a script for the player. Like they have a script they follow, you know, capture the princess, all that. Right. Um, but then what happens is, you know, you come in as a new player they're putting on this normal traditional RPG script and all of a sudden everything goes completely wrong uh, when the princess, who is one of the three main characters, she lets herself out of the prison. Um, and that sets off this extremely chaotic chain of events, which you saw if you played it, <laughs> um, where the script is completely off the rails and they're not even worried about like appeasing the player or trying to do a script anymore. They're just trying to like get things back to normal and like get things on track again because things are just going completely nuts. Um, so it's, it's really just like exploring this idea of a game world and like the actual characters that live inside that game world. Um, nice. and that, I, I, go ahead. I just remember the, the only other thing that's really touched on it, which was a very long running web comic called kid rad kid rad. I have not heard of that. That is um, maybe the I, deepest cut we've done on the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what I'm here for. Sir. That's true. Um, <laughs> No, I yeah. highly recommend you check it out. I think you would enjoy it. All right. Yeah, it sounds uh, like... I will check out your game, because I, I have not yet played it. Uh, so, yeah, what were your main inspirations? I know we've obviously talked about Paper Mario, but, um, you know, what? where else do you think your kind of thoughts came from? Yeah, Paper Mario, for sure, in terms of, like, uh, just kind of, like, s slight self-awareness, uh, mm -hmm. sense of humor, um, playful interactions between characters, a little bit of the visual style as well. That all came from kind of a uh inspiration for paper mario and there's things like earthbound in the mother series just with a lot of like the wild puns and dad jokes and a lot of just like the weird stuff going on that's kind of earthbound inspired um definitely like a little bit of like undertale inspirations in there which to be fair was inspired a lot by earthbound so kind of transitive property i guess you say um but yeah those are the main things and just like also inspired by like my love of rpgs growing up like i played uh, Dragon Warrior for NES, Final Fantasy for NES when I was like six years old and fell in love with RPGs. So mm -hmm. I've been playing since I was a kid. So a lot of the inspiration also comes from just like my own experience personally as a player with 
the RPG genre and gaming in general. <laughs> sorry, Alyssa, I just saw your fucking post in the Discord. Look, Fuck I'm off. sorry. I'm I'm having <laughs> such cloudy brain today. It's not even funny. So all I could do is just go scroll through Twitter. Oh, <laughs> I thought of you when I saw that. The, uh... Oh my god! You were the shadow thing you posted. Yeah, yeah. 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 You, were, you were you were right to think of me. Um, <laughs> so one thing I also like to wonder with this kind of stuff is: Do you think there were any like TV shows or movies that also inspired this game in some way? Oh, that's a very good question. I have not heard that before. Um, not necessarily that I can think of off the top of my head. I think, mm-hmm. I think um, one thing that I didn't know, I'd never really watched this series growing up, but I knew a little bit about it. And I guess I really wouldn't call it, call it inspiration because I didn't really learn about the story of it until like recently after I already was making this game. But um, mm-hmm. it definitely has a lot of similarities to Reboot. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, just the fact that like these characters live inside this game world and they kind of like yeah. are bound by this cycle of like okay, we got to do the game now. Um which is interesting cuz like I said it's not really inspiration cuz I didn't watch it and didn't know about the story until like, like a year or two ago. Um but yeah. I, when I saw it I was like this is very similar to what I'm doing. It also really cool. makes me think and and this is certainly no accusation but the mentioning of a character breaking out of their assigned role makes me think of Westworld. Yeah, that's true. That is another very, very similar story, yeah, which I, I love Westworld. So I need to watch more Reboot yeah. is significant for me because, you know, when you're a kid, you're just like, you just accept that, like, all things are, like, good. And, like, if you're not enjoying something, it feels like it's, like, your, your fault almost. And it's like, mm-hmm. or you don't no. even think about it, really. It's like, <laughs> you, see, you see, like, it's like, oh, this is a video game. It's not the one that I already have. It's new, so it must be good. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like... But I think Reboot, the TV show, was the first thing where I looked at it when I was a kid, and I was like, this looks bad. (laughs) (laughs) And then much later, it starts looking good. But, I mean, uh, they were trying to be very, very ambitious. Yeah. Um, Uh, Beyond their their capabilities. Um, Yeah, so... uh, did uh so I saw that you're a solo developer. Did other people help with the project in a, in any like small facets or things like that? Yeah, so I did everything, but the soundtrack was all done by um Lev C E G M, and you can like find his links like on the Steam page and on my Twitter mm-hmm. and all that. Um, he did an amazing job. Uh, he was really great because I would basically tell him like, I would say, hey, this is the vibe of this area. And I would like maybe show him a screenshot and he'd be like, I got you fam. And he'd send me something in like a week or two. And I was like, okay, this is absolutely perfect. Great. Um, so he did, awesome. he did a really good job, but yeah, everything else I did on my own. Um, one thing about like solo development is even if you're technically doing everything on your, you still get a lot of help, <laughs> even if it's just like support. So like, you know, I definitely attribute being able to even get through all this and get through all the mental health hurdles that come with development of a game from like sure. my family supporting me and like, uh, you know, like my friends and other game developer friends. And, and then, you know, you have, sometimes you find resources online where people are offering like, uh, you know, I learned a lot from like, maybe like blogs and stuff where people are teaching you how to do stuff with like shaders and all that. Um, it's just a lot of like more like indirect help from people as well. Yeah. So like, what did the like dev time kind of look like? Uh, how long did, how long ago did you start working on this? Jeez. That, I hate when I get asked that question because it's such a hard thing to think about. Like, what when is actual development starting in terms? Yeah, sure. In, as instead of like, when do you start conceptualizing, drawing out concepts? So it's kind of hard to the, say. I think it's when the first pixel appears on the screen. The first pixel appears on the screen. Yeah, I would say probably like four or five years ago, I started okay. messing around and like actually like 
bringing concepts onto a screen. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, I was teaching full time at a university. I was teaching game yeah. development at a university. Okay. And Which I was kind of like uh, Wilmington University. Okay. Up in uh, Delaware. Nice. Um, so at the time, it was kind of hard for me to really work a lot on the game because A, it's kind of like, you know, when you work at like a food place and then you like smell that food and you're like, yuck, that smells like work and you don't want to eat that food. Mm. It was game development almost became almost like that because I would be teaching at, at school all day and teaching basics of game development, come home and be like, man, do I really have the energy to sit down and make a game now after doing That's, that? That makes sense. Yeah, and it kind of became a problem. Um, so I would work, work was so slow during that. And eventually I quit that job and I moved back home uh, and started working with my brother. He started a business doing like IT work and stuff. And I'm very grateful for that. Like I'm very lucky because he let me like work my own hours and work like part time and then work the rest of my time full time on the game. So that okay, was maybe yeah. like two years ago I started doing that. Okay, yeah, that was my next question was like, were you able to like work full time on this game or do you have to keep working on the side? Because a lot of indie developers have to keep like a full time job and then whenever they have free time work on their project. Yeah, because I've made zero dollars on this game until it released. And actually, no, even even then, uh, Steam doesn't pay out until the month following the previous month. So technically, I've still made zero dollars on this game after years. Yeah, it's cool. Being an indie game developer is really cool. You're just bored. <laughs> it's a gamble and then you're poor. It's really great. Yeah. Well, best, um, best of luck. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Which like I definitely want to like uh give a, a a shout out and hopefully some people hear this and will go check it out at least. And I think having a demo is a good idea because like I definitely am more convinced I would like to play the rest of this game after the demo. So Yeah, thank you. Um but yeah, so um I was gonna say what what would you if you had to pick like three main selling points for your game, what do you think you'd lean on? I would say the first one would be just the humor. I think mm-hmm. it's a, and obviously like my word doesn't really mean anything on that because if someone just says, hey, it, yeah. <laughs> if someone's like, Hey, I'm funny. It's like, okay, you're probably not funny. You know? Yeah. What I, what um, I played so far is funny. I'll vouch for you. <laughs> oh, thank you. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I would say just like, look at the game for yourself, like watch the trailers, play the demo, see what other people are saying and see if it does, if the humor does hit for you. For yeah. most people it does. Um, I, I really want you've got a you've got a hundred percent on Steam right now. That's pretty good. It's about yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. It's not like a ton of reviews, but they're all positive so far. Yeah, so good. Um, but yeah, so I think the humor is really a, one of the biggest selling points. So my goal was I want to make people laugh. You know, especially like yeah. fans of RPGs. <coughs> oh, sorry, I'm allergic to my game too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just especially just like for RPG fans, fans of gaming. Like I think there's a lot of humor in there that you'll find. Um, and then I think another selling point would be uh, the setting. I think, like mm-hmm. we were talking about, it's a pretty unique setting. You know, it's been touched on maybe in other things like we've discussed, like Reboot or uh, the Kid Rad comic Tim was talking about. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a very unique setting and something cool to explore. Uh, and it's one of those settings, which I don't want to get too much on a tangent, but I feel like this would be a fun setting to explore in a very dark way as well, like show some kind of corroding game world that's yeah. dying because it hasn't had a player you know when will you learn that your actions have consequences yeah yeah and that's something i've actually thought about but this is a very the, the lighthearted take on that in, uh, through bit rot yeah yeah <laughs> um but yeah i think the setting is something very unique and very mm-hmm. fun it has a lot of potential to give you an experience that you haven't had in another game yeah yeah um, uh so one thing i was actually curious about and i don't know if you've answered this yet really but like 
Was this more born of a passion for an idea? Or do you think that you saw kind of a hole in the market and you were like, there isn't anything like this? Why don't I make it? It was a passion. It was just something I wanted to make. That's I think that's what a lot of good indie games come down to. It's just something that this developer wanted to make because it sounds fun to them. Um, but at the same time, that also does kind of reflect the other option, which is there's kind of a hole in the market. And mm-hmm. I feel like when I'm making a game, I always want to make something that I want to play. And yeah, for sure. if it's something that I want to play, but it already exists, I don't see much point in making it. So I think it is kind of both. I know it sounds like a cop-out answer, but like, no, <laughs> I, think, right. I, I think they go more hand-in-hand than people think. Because when a developer sure. has full creative control and they have full artistic control over something, it's like they're making something they want to see. And that's probably because they don't have a game like that. Yeah. So um, I, I guess one thing I do want to ask is um, you did you did just release on Steam pretty recently, like in the last like was it two weeks ago or something? Uh, July fifteenth. So yeah, like almost a month. Oh, maybe a month ago now. Okay. So, um, are you planning to move to consoles or anything like that in the future? Yeah. So I actually had some drama with the whole Switch release. I was really looking forward to it. Um, I applied like two months later, got a rejection email from Nintendo, no information at all. I, cool. I went on this big thing, right? Yeah, it was really awesome. I love that. Um, and I, I talked to other developers about it. And from what I found mm-hmm. out, it's very common. And like, I understand they get a lot of submissions, but I really feel like they could. Do yeah, a lot if they that. let if they let Vroom in the night sky onto their system, I think they can <laughs> let you on there. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that. That is, but yeah, there's just a lot of stuff yeah. on there, and I I think um, there's a lot I, of garbage shovelware on the eShop already. Like, yeah. yeah. And something I learned from other developers talking about the exact topic, I was like, okay, so, you know, what what does it mean when there's so many games that want to be on Switch that can't get on there, but there's a lot of games that are, you know, I don't like to talk bad about other games, but like there's a lot of games that aren't as good as these games are trying to get on there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think what it comes down to from what I learned and talking to a lot of other people is that it's pretty much just like if there's a publisher, uh, and exi- basically what happens is when you apply to be like a publisher on Switch, you can put whatever you want on there from that point, essentially. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times what you see is there's publishers who will get their foot in the door. And then what they'll do is they'll just like charge a fee or whatever uh, to developers and they'll just publish whatever game they get. And that's why you see a lot of shovelware on there. Oh, um, I see. Okay. Yeah. So it's it pretty much comes down to like, do you have a publisher? The I, I think... It seems to me that they don't even really check for like quality and stuff. Yeah, I don't. Most games. Do. Yeah, um, but I, it's just so weird that you just don't get any feedback at all. And I understand they're busy and get a lot, but like to me, it's like my logic was at some point there is some human being that is looking at this submission and saying, "I'm going to hit this button that sends an automatic rejected email." So there was some logical process. So I don't understand why they can't just put a single comment, like put one sentence in there, like, "Oh, this yeah. didn't." quality it doesn't have enough sales to back it up like um but yeah uh so yeah i i, I do want to put on switch uh xbox and playstation maybe um but switch is a big priority because i feel like it just feels at home on yeah Nintendo. i definitely would i i also have heard some I, I would say even worse horror stories from indie developers on trying to get on playstation of like yeah i've heard um, that too stuff that it has been very difficult um but yeah, again, like definitely hope, hopefully that comes through. Um, do you, do you plan to do any, like, let's, let's assume this game's pretty successful. Do you plan to add on to it to do DLC for it or, or make another one of these you think, or just kind of uh, wait and see? Yeah. Wait and see. 
uh, for right now, it's just like, I just need a break. So I, sure. I am actively like, I'm actively still developing for the game. Like I'm, I've released very frequent updates. Like if you look on Steam, I've sure. released yeah, like yeah. eight updates since it came out. Um, I am, I do have something in the works in terms of content, just like a uh, content release for it. I'm not sure if it's going to be paid or free. Mm -hmm. um, depends on it depends on if how big my scope gets and how out of out of control I get as a developer, which mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but yeah, I do want to support it for a while and really sure. I, my focus for the rest of this year is mostly like let me get this game successful on Steam and then we'll worry more about console release and we'll start thinking about sequels or spinoffs or whatever at that point. Yeah. So were you at all considering doing like uh like a release through um Epic Games with like a higher amount of money you would get from those sales and stuff or have you looked at that? Yeah, I actually applied um and I haven't heard back from them. Okay. I don't know what their process is. I haven't really heard like I've heard a lot from about Nintendo and consoles from other developers, but yeah. I other don't developers sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say I don't have much information about Epic Games. I don't know their process. Yeah. Uh other developers you show up and you throw your game and if you manage to hit cliffy b it's on the store <laughs> um a lot of which is uh, how i got my game a rock onto the epic game store now <laughs> oh nice that was you who made that, that just a jpeg of a rock uh yeah nice it couldn't even make a png huh um L listen i wasn't responsible for converting it i was just responsible <laughs> for picking the rock and heaving it so, um, yeah, what I've heard from other uh, indie developers I've spoken to is that Epic Games usually, like, approaches you more th more often than not if they want your, your game on their store. Okay. Um, which is a, a little bit um, maybe unconventional, but, like, they, they seem to be doing a lot of that, and they'll, you know, offer you more money than you're, you'll, ever, you'll ever earn in your lifetime, and then you, <laughs> you disappear into the Epic store. Yeah. But... Um, no, I, I don't know. I was, I was curious. Show up at the Epic offices <laughs> randomly, wandering the halls until yeah. you can find a way out, which it's down the hall to the left. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah. But anyway, so I, yeah, I wish you luck with that, especially with the Nintendo thing. Like, I <laughs> would love for them to be more communicative, because um, like I'm, I don't know. Like, unless a, I don't know. It's it's weird to think that there's a quality bar somewhere that it's like not meeting, but I I, I doubt that's it. Um, it's uh, probably it's a what is it? Um, uh, in a it kind of funny uh, blessing. We'll just uh, sometimes you know say that uh, Nintendo they're going to drop a WND, which is a weird Nintendo decision. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think what it is is they pretty much look at like I think if your game or if you as a company or developer don't have like sales of previous game to back up that you are valuable for their store, then mm -hmm. they're probably not even going to go through like quality checks. They're probably just going to look at, which I don't, you know, I don't have a, a huge history of like really good sales on games or anything. So it's like, yeah, I understand why they wouldn't even give me that. How, how can you not come in with your first game and have a huge history of sales? You know, it, 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 it is kind of the, it is kind of the like, employer issue that we all yeah. know where it's oh, like you need yeah. 10 years like experience, experience. Yeah. yeah yeah it's kind of the same paradox i guess you'd say what, mm -hmm. what my, my favorite example of that is wanting 10 years of experience for a discipline that was only five years old at the time yeah like Program. a new programming language or something yeah, yeah. exciting mm -hmm. um let's see uh Alyssa, do you have any questions for matt over here uh no i'm so sorry i <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm just like in such a weird like place today with like not you're okay. You know what you're just, go off of. We're just we're just putting another warm body in a seat. You're you're good. Yeah. You um, needed but, to uh, feel yeah. the ritual. Yeah. The ritual. For the ritual, the ritual. yeah. The ritual. Uh, Alyssa, I'll put you into my cult next and I'll give you some medicine. Yes, please. <laughs> That's code for sacrificing you. Yeah. That's all right. I prefer that at this point. <laughs> uh, okay, Tim, do you have any, any questions for Matt on his game? Uh, I mean, nothing that I haven't already been, you know, spouting hither and tither already. Hither and tither, indeed. Um, yeah, well, um, Matt, do you want to say anything else about your, your game? Any Anything to send us off with? Yeah, I think... Um, I think the biggest thing is that there's a free demo. So like, even if you're not like sure on the fence, it's a very generous demo. It lets you play from the very start of the game up through the first dungeon. So it's like a good nice. like hour to a gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can even transfer your save data over the full game. So like yeah. support an developer at very least, just go play it and give it a shot. It's not, yeah. it doesn't cost you anything. Um, you know, even if you're just slightly curious based on the stuff we talked about and what I said, uh, I really do think it's going to make you laugh. You're going to have fun. The battle system is challenging. There's a lot of twists on RPG mechanics in there that you might not expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah the, the 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 battle system with the the time, like choosing the time of attack and everything. I don't think I don't know if you were inspired by this game at all, but it reminded me a little of uh, Child of Light, the Ubisoft game. I haven't played that, so I'm not really sure. Yeah, it is a similar thing where you like have like a, a timer on your attack, and you like set like okay. when you you begin the attack and like finish it, sort of um, in this like turn based system. So it's okay, a little bit, a little bit similar, sort but turn based, sort of okay. turn based. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so I, guess, I guess if you like that, then <laughs> yeah, go for it. It's more timing based than turn based. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, 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 but then you also gotta in in the video game fables you also have to make your your decision more quickly to do more damage, which I kind of like. Yeah, it gives so a little bit. Of I, I like to give a sense of speed because I feel like I talked about this before with other people. Is I think I think people think they don't like turn based games, but they actually just don't like the baggage that comes with a lot of turn based games. Like yeah, I think the they waiting. just don't. Like yeah, waiting a sense yeah. of speed. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of developers have maybe gotten lazy with turn-based games and they just kind of accepted things as, well, this is how it has to be because it's always been that way. Mm-hmm. And I just basically took anything I didn't like from RPGs, even as a big RPG fan, or things I know other people don't like about RPGs. And I tried to <laughs> twist them or speed them up or... Yeah. Yeah. One other thing I just remembered that... I don't know if you might like it because it is, it is actually pretty similar. The the League of Legends RPG Ruined King um, is a turn-based battle system, but like you also like are basically spending like AP points, like choosing where to put your attack in the turn order and stuff like that. Okay. Um, so cool. it is a little bit different too. Um, and I, I like that system as well. It's, it adds a little yeah, bit it sounds really cool. to it. Um, anyway, but yeah, so uh, we'll uh, let's go ahead and, and close out. So thank you guys for, uh, for listening. Uh, you can find our stuff at gameluster.com. You can find our videos at youtube.com slash gameluster. We have an exciting project coming out soon. I'm waving a thing right now. An exciting project coming out. I feel soon. so threatened. <laughs> we'll check it out. Where we have uh, been, uh, it's been it's been difficult, but we have uh, at the, as the as the Game Luster staff established a list of the 100 best indie games of all time. Um, I need to write up on all of the Tohos. Yeah, I need to do some write ups too. By the way, I, I shared this with my my Discord server. Got a lot of love for having some Toho stuff in there. So thank you, Tim. You're welcome. We, we've got. We have a reputation with the gamers now. Um, well, not only that, but literally every genre is represented. There it that is. was the point. Um, I could have yeah. got. 
I don't think I could have filled up a hundred, but I could have filled up a lot with just other. There's a Mario Kart Double Dash Toho fan game. Yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, let me see here. And it's an yeah. indie. So. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, that'll be coming up. Oh, we're going to be do that, doing that in a series of articles and uh, short videos on our YouTube channel too. So keep an keep an eye out for the reveal of these games. Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, you know, make sure to find us on Twitter, GameBustersPod, Pod, uh, our website, GameBustersPod.com. Uh, again, just a reminder: you can uh, download the episodes there, or listen on the website, or it also links to all the different uh, podcast stores or whatever, whatever you like to use. Um, and make sure to rate us on iTunes slash Spotify, whatever you use. So, uh, yeah, thank you to our, our, our guests. Um, I guess Matt has probably already done his plug for, for his video game. Um, does anyone else have anything they want to mention that they want uh, people to check out or that they're working on? Um, you know, just just check out his video game. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. Hey, actually, Matt, do you have a friend? Do you have any game developer friends that you think have a cool game that people don't know about? You want to plug? Yeah, so that's something I forgot to mention. So thanks for bringing it up. Um, I was part of the Paperverse Direct this year. Uh, it came out in April. Um, it's basically like a Nintendo Direct style thing where it shows uh, games from this game developer group I'm in called the Paperverse. Okay. And it's, it's like games that uh, are inspired by Paper Mario or just like have some light. Do you know the Bug values. Fables people? No, I don't, but they uh, were. I th- I, them. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think they were a part of it. Um at one point, like when they were in development, I'm not sure about that, but I think they were, mm-hmm. but yeah. So like, if you're interested in, this is a perfect episode to talk about it. Cause if you're interested in paper Mario, if you think my game looks cool, if you want to check out other games from other developers that are doing something similar, um, go watch the paper direct on YouTube from this year. And there's a lot of really cool games in there, including mine, which is obviously super cool, but yeah. Cool. Awesome. That's great. Um, okay. So let's, uh, last word to, to get us out of here. Does anyone have a sort of a catchphrase from the, the paper Mario games that they can use to get us out of here, uh, to, to free us from this two dimensional shackle? <laughs> Do they say, I don't, I think they just kind of say like, <laughs> so yeah. I'm not, not sure if there's like a good, I mean, there's tons of dialogue, but like all the, all of it has a, or a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's just make Mario sounds until we can, like, just sort of echo us out of here. Uh, Wahoo! <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Wahoo! Uh, and then here's a. I'm gonna do a do a Goomba sound now. I, I guess they don't make any sounds. <laughs> Starts clapping. Yeah. yeah. Very good. I do like the Bowser laugh. All right. The ba- I'm going to say the Bowser laugh is good enough to get us out. All right. All see right. you guys. Thanks so much. Bye. Uh, thank you. Bye.